Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I really reckon, you know, once, you know, a lot of women, once they hit 40 and they realize that, oh my God, you know, where's all my money gone, you know? It's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have happy marriages and so on. So, um, so I was really lost. Okay? So I just flitted from one seminar to the next until one day, you know, I went to this uh, Hans Jacobi seminar. It told us about his student, okay, who uh, bought about 18 properties in four months. So that really kick-start my journey in property investing, you know. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're chatting to inspiring property investor Esme Chin who describes how adversity from a personal blow eventually helped form her path to becoming one of the most successful female property investors in Australia. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. So, my name is Esme Chin and I am a property entrepreneur. Uh, I've done speaking uh, in Australia and overseas. I'm a coach. I'm also a mom. So, um, while most investors did it as a couple, I did it on my own. So, I have won a few awards on the way. So, in 2009, I was the best newcomer with the Property Women Group um, where, I, where, where I was the runner-up. And in 2015, I was the second runner-up for I Love Real Estate Competition with the Knowledge Source Group. And um, for the Property Investor of the Year 2015, I was runner-up for Your Investment Property Magazine. So I have built a portfolio worth about six million um, that spans six states. So New South Wales, Victoria, Western Australia, South Australia, Tasmania, and uh, I just went to Queensland. So currently, I have about twenty-one properties, and two of them is in the US. Being able to sustain her lifestyle with her current portfolio, she has also been able to take a year off to focus purely on learning. You know, like in a, in a month, right? Um, I would go to a lot of seminars, you know. Yeah. So, and I read a lot. Yeah, I read nonstop. Um, so I'm an avid reader. I like to go to seminars. Yeah. So I just keep the momentum going, even if I was not investing that particular year. Okay, I will still be going to seminars and learning. You know, it's um, a continuous learning for me because the market changes all the time, and you know, there's new techniques coming in. Growing up in a little town in Malaysia called Ipoh, Chin inherited her family's entrepreneurial mindset. So originally, I am from Malaysia and I came to Australia at age 14, went to boarding school. 
um, I did have successful relatives who dealt in property, so uh, back home, right? So it was always at the back of my mind, right? Yeah, but I had this really you know, entrepreneurial spirit, spirit, and I was so absorbed in building retail businesses that I couldn't see the trees from the forest. Okay, I should have asked myself what works in Australia. One thing about Malaysia is that when I was a kid, right? Okay, I um, used to read about you know like a who's you know, study about where's the tallest building in the world, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, after they built the Twin Tower, it's like quite amazing. I mean, like, from, you know, a small country, a little place, you know what I mean? You can become big things, you know what I mean? So, in life, you know, you just never know, okay? Um, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from or whatever. You can achieve big things. So, you know, that's how I see it. After migrating to Australia with her parents, she joined a boarding school. From there, she continued her education at university before becoming a business owner. I did a, a Bachelor of Arts course in Sydney U after that. And um, yeah, and I stayed on here and I started opening businesses. Um, like I said, I was very entrepreneurial. So I was very much absorbed in my business you know, for the early part of my life. When I was at uni, I was just working in sales and then after that, um, you know, you see other people's businesses and you learn from that and then you went and open your own. And, and yeah, I was very, very ambitious at the time. That's great. What kind of business did you run when you first uh, finished uni? I had a fashion accessory shop, um, yeah, which I for nearly 10 years. And then, you know, I wanted to change. Um, I wanted to change because I went into, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, real estate as a real estate agent, but I didn't like that, you know, because I didn't realize that you have to do listings. So uh, I came out of that one, and then I I went and bought a coffee shop in the eastern suburbs. So, um, it was really good. I mean, like, everything was fine. Um, it was doing well. The shopping center owner used to come every day for a cup of coffee and a sandwich, so, you know, it must be okay, right? But then one day, okay, he died, and then his wife took over the shopping center, I don't know why she just didn't like me. Okay, so she decided not to renew my lease and um, just gave me two weeks to leave. You know, two weeks notice. I was devastated. You know, I had to beg her to give me a month. So I was like shocked. I mean, like, look, I mean, I bought this business for about 240000 This was supposed to be my baby. It's going to supposed to last me till retirement. You know, when you have your own businesses, you have very little in super. So I, this was supposed to be my super. So I seriously have never heard of a landlord not renewing their lease. So, you know, I have I was forced to fire sale the, the business, okay? And um, on a day of takeover exchange, right, I just realized that the buyer was the owner downstairs, okay? So he was my competitor. I mean, of course, he used the company name to buy it. So I don't know. I mean, you know, like maybe him and the landlord, you know, like did something funny. After owning the cafe for about four years, Chin suffered another personal blow, which eventually led her to a new path in property. So not long after that, okay, um, you know, my husband actually went back to Malaysia to see his parents, and then one month became two months, became three months, and then one day I switched on the computer, and um, this big word screeched across the screen. It said, you know, goodbye. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Uh, so I was, I realized I was being dumped by email. So basically I found myself, you know, a middle-aged woman, you know, divorced, um, you know, 
I think like a lot of other people, you know, look at a bank account, you know, and it's, you know, almost empty, okay? I had no, no super, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, I, I really reckon, you know, once, you know, a lot of women, once they hit 40 and they realize that, oh my God, you know, where's all my money gone, you know? It's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have happy marriages and so on. So, um, so I was really lost. Okay, so I just flitted from one seminar to the next. You know, I I don't know what I was doing really. You know, I just um, I don't know what I was looking for. And until one day, you know, I went to this uh, Hans Jacobi seminar. It told us about his student, okay, who uh, bought about eighteen properties in four months. Wow. So I was you know, quite blown away. So during the break, I actually, you know, made a beeline to him and said, um, are you sure you bought like, you know, 18 properties? And he said, yes, I just, you know, closed the deal today in New Zealand, you know. So that really kickstart my journey in property investing, you know. I've read so many books and so many things, but nothing really kicked me, you know what I mean? But that really did. So that was the beginning of my property journey. A self-confessed seminar junkie, Chin is always learning and researching more about property. I attend a lot of seminars, so like I get different, you know, like points of views. Like with Tan Chikobi, it's positive cash flow. Yeah, and I'm also with another group called the Property Women. So you know, like I'm really grateful. I mean, like you stand on the shoulders of giants, okay? And um, I have many mentors. Okay, I spend a lot of my weekends attending seminars, and um, it's quite interesting because when I went to New Zealand, right? Yeah. Um, I just came back in October. For I, I was the I was their main speaker, the keynote speaker for the Property Investment um, Federation, a New Zealand Property Investment uh, Federation over there. And they were telling me that in their 25 years, right, they never had a had a women speaker. And um, because this time they were held in Napier, and all the um, all the president there, okay, they were all women in that um, executive um, committee there, right? So they decided, you know, for once they're going to have a women speaker. So they got me there. So I'm so happy and so proud to be probably their first, um, you know, uh, women speaker in that particular. Um, I, I wish we had something like that in, in Australia. We should have a, you know, property investor federation, something like that. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Chin's property investing journey on how she became a property investor. I had to ask myself what works in Australia, right? Yeah. I, I, I realized that the rich people, you know, they, they had one really good cash cow. So as their business, you know, unlike what, you know, um, financial brokers tell you, they tell you to diversify. How she describes herself as a property investor. I would describe myself as maybe um, I'm a lazy hands-off investor can call myself maybe an armchair investor. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, I just wanted to let you know about the podcast show notes I've created for you that you can download at freepropertyresource.com. Inside these show notes, I've included a full summary Details of the resources recommended plus much, much more. Just go to freepropertyresource.com to grab it now. It's free and it'll make the rest of the episode so much more impactful. 
Again, that's freepropertyresource.com. Now back to the show. Chin started investing into property around 2008 after some previous attempts at investing in the stock market. I had to ask myself what works in Australia, right? Yeah, I, I, I realized that the rich people, you know, they, they had one really good cash cow so as their business, you know, unlike what, you know, um, financial brokers tell you, they tell you to diversify, right? But the really rich people, they really just go, they focus, you know, in one business and once they do it really, really well, okay, and that's, that um, business becomes a cash cow. Only then will they ever diversify into their second and third. You know what I mean? So um, I had to find my basically I had to find my cash cow. So I had to ask myself what works in Australia, right? So you know, for most people, it's the stock market. For me, it was the shop market because you know during the GFC, everything halved, right? All our people halved, right? And really, okay, I'm not a Warren Buffett, okay? Um, I am so smart, okay, uh, you know, like, during the 2000, you know, year 2000, I, you know, put all my money into, uh, you know, the share market just before the tech crash. And then I did it again, okay, just before the GFC, you know, um, hit. So basically, we see me coming, it should run the other way. So that was, you know, the stock market for me. Um, will I ever invest again in the stock market? Maybe, you know, like when there's another GFC, but because I'm not, great in it you know sometimes you really have to go with your strengths right and your luck um you know so you know unless there's a gfc i won't go in there anymore chin shares her previous experiences with running a business as well you have to ask yourself or is it you know is it busyness you know you're creating something really busy for yourself so you know as you know okay my business went toast right so i think it's very hard in australia because you know it's everything is very tough in australia when it comes to business why because high rent high wages high overheads, there's really no relief, okay, yeah? Um, you know, it's not like Asia, maybe, okay, you have lower wages, maybe you have lower rent, at least that gives you some sort of relief, right? But in Australia, if you want to be good in business, you got to read, you know, like emails, you know, you got to excel in every aspect, okay? Like, for example, when I had a fashion accessory shop, you know, I had to be good at being a buyer, I had to have very good taste, otherwise nobody will, you know, buy my things, all right? I had to be a good teacher. I have to not only be, just because you're a top salesperson doesn't mean you go and open a shop. Just because you're a top, you know, good at cooking doesn't, top chef, you don't go and open a, you know, a restaurant, you know, because, you know, I have to teach my staff, you know, to become me, you know what I mean? To be little mini-me's, you know, to be really good at selling. And, you know, I have to be, you know, good at marketing. I had to be good at display. You know, I had to make sure that, you know, my staff get paid, you know, in the in the admin side, you know, I have to be good at that. You know what I mean? There's so many aspects to a business. And in Australia, you know, if you want to open a business, you have to be number one, okay, or number two. You cannot be number three. So in other words, like if you have a coffee shop, you have to be either Starbucks or Gloria Jeans. It's very hard to be the number th- number three player. This is the power of property for her as well as being able to leverage and turn $400,000 into $1 million. You can leverage it. So like, you know, that's the other good thing about property, okay, which is like, um, you know, you can leverage it, meaning that, say for example, if you have, you know, $100,000, okay, if you want to, you know, like if you want to go into shares, right, 
the bank will lend you another $100,000. So basically, you've got $200,000 to play, to play with. But, okay, if you bought property, right, for $100,000, the bank potentially will lend you a million dollars. So you have a lot more control. Um, and coming back to um, of the rules, right? So basically, you know, that, you know, like this was in the building was actually in Indonesia. So, you know, in Indonesia, like there's a lot of traffic jams, right? So to go from that building to the airport will probably take four hours, right? By doing, you know, by putting a helipad there, he just increased the building, um, the price of the building because you know all the, you know, CEOs can take a helipad straight to the airport. So you know, it's the things like that that I like about property. Things that you can do to it, right? As a property investor, Chin herself has enlisted the help of an enthusiastic person to manage her properties as well. I would describe myself as maybe um, I'm a lazy hands-off investor. You can call myself maybe a, an armchair investor. I don't like to dirty my hands, right? Yeah. So I like to work on my business, but not in my business. Okay. Um, I outsource everything. Right. Uh, I've used leverage a lot. Uh, I have never lifted a tool in my life, okay? I found a, comfort, a carpenter who would, like, drive around Australia doing Renault for me. So, he's like a one-man band and, you know, he does everything from tying to waterproofing, you know what I mean? And um, things that he can't do, like plumbing and electrical, he organizes these tasks, okay, to fit in with his schedule. How did you find a handyman who would do this for you day in, day out? That's amazing. I was very lucky. It was very early in my investment and he's from a country town, you know, my property manager. Um, so basically it was a hassle and, you know, worry-free, you know, when it comes to renovating, for me, it was always hassle and worry-free. Uh, even when I was renovating in Sydney, I had a, a different, you know, carpenter that did that. But, you know, like uh, I did one in Penrith, right? And um, basically I only saw my carpenter three times a game. I met him, I told him, you know, what I wanted done in each room. I went through each room with him. Then the second time, okay, um, I brought the materials over to give it to him so he can, you know, renovate the place. And the third time, just to check him, you know, make sure that he's completed the work and I handed him his check. So that's the re- the sort of renovation I do. So basically, okay, um, I try to be as hands-off as possible. Okay, my property managers, okay, um, I manage my property managers. I don't manage my properties myself. Uh, and it's, you know, tax deductible anyway, the fee for them. And I believe in hiring experts, okay, rather than doing things myself, okay. Whether, you know, um, it's peer or accountant, I try to get the best in the field. One of the worst investing moments in her journey was when she bought in a particularly troubled regional area. Okay, when I first started, okay, right, yeah, I, I I did buy a lot of places in regional areas, all right, yeah. So, but you know, like um, I have to say, like if you ask me, should I buy in country areas? Now, I would be very careful, um, simply because you know things have changed, um, you know, because of ice, you know, uh, mass and fat, how do you call it, mass and fatigues, right? Yeah, so it's very careful of the drugs, okay, yeah. So basically, I one of the towns I invested actually like became worse, right? It turned into this um, was plagued by ice, and you know, like I had, you know, like if, if it was 
No, if it was untenanted, you know, people were smashing the windows out of it. Okay, just absolutely nightmare. And um, sometimes the tenant was addict inside, punching holes in walls. You know, it was such a nightmare that even my property manager quit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had to think of what to do next. You know what I mean? Because a small town, there's only like four property managers. You know what I mean? I mean, four, you know, agents. You know what I mean? You got to find one. I had to find an out of town one to to and another one of my property manager elsewhere to do it for for a while. Until I could find, you know, one of the local ones to, you know, handle it. So, you know, like, you know, as a property investor, you got to always think, okay, and how do you deal with a place like that? You either sell it, okay, but at that time, you know, it was, um, the price was not there, so I couldn't sell it. So I had to think of what to do. So, well, I have to tell, tell my viewers, okay, one of the ways to deal with it is, would probably be to put uh, cream safe, you know, on all the windows. You know what I mean? And um, put alarms, you know, put... Uh, you know, uh, lights that turn on, you know, at night. You know what I mean? So you have to do all of that, you know, and sense up the place. Each, uh, basically, 40 side place. Wow. It sounds like you've got to set up a castle in order to protect this place. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're always thinking outside the square because things like this are going to hit you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you always get hit as a, as a property investor. You know, like, you know, I have friends that I, I bump into and, you know, like, and I see him and say, oh, my God, you know, Esme, you know, you you should know, you know, I mean, like, there's so much problems. You know, my property manager rang me for this repair and that repair, so much problems. You know, and I had to remind him, I, you know, like, he works really hard. He's always busy, never around. He always goes into state. So I, I had to remind him, you know, like, property investing is a business, okay, yeah? And business comes with problems. You have to deal with it. You know, but at the end of the day, right, you know, you work so hard for your boss. For what? I mean, you're lining his pocket and not yours. Do you, Can you get it? I mean, like, you know, if you do property investment, okay, at the end of the day, that's yours. You know what I mean? Those properties are yours and for you to pass down to your children and grandchildren, right? But if you work like a dog, okay, and never have time for, you know, your property investment, you know, at the end of the day, it's not yours. You know, you get your wage and... You know, it's good that you work hard for your boss, but, you know, like, you know, your boss is the one that benefits. So you really got to get your priorities right in life. An important aha moment for Chin came at a seminar where she discovered the three most important elements needed to grow her portfolio. Well, I have to say, you know, once you know, I went to a seminar and I did ask the, um, one of one of the mentors that I do look up to, right, yeah. I asked him, I said, you know, look, I mean, it's probably possible for most people, like if they really, really put their minds to it, right, to build up a portfolio of, say, $10 million, right? But how do you go from, say, um, 10 mil to 20 to, you know, 30 to 50 to 100 to $200 million, you know what I mean? So what he what he did say to me was that you know like three things one structure okay yeah so two he says you must raise your ceiling right meaning that say for example if you own a news agent right so all you can see is that the space of a news agent you know however much a news agent might cost maybe a hundred thousand you know um, to buy it right so all you can see is all those businesses under a hundred thousand right so to raise that ceiling because like. Say, for example, you know, uh, Richard Branson, he would definitely be playing in a very different type of space, correct? Right? He would not be looking at the 100,000 type of business. He'd be, you know, looking out for all those things that, you know, around about, you know, millions and millions. 
So that was really an aha moment for me. Okay, and the third thing he said was that, you know, you must do joint venture things, you know what I mean? And to be honest with you, um, I was always brought up like the only child, you know, so I always do things very solo type of thing, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I have to like, it's done joint ventures with people I have, right? But probably not enough and not in the biggest scale, you know what I mean? And um, you got to pick your joint venture people, partners very carefully, you know? You know, Buffett said, you know, uh, when he looks for employees, he looks for three things. One, okay, is um, intelligence. Two, okay, is um, uh, what do you call it? Energy. And the third uh, is integrity, right? And he says that, you know, if a person does not in- have integrity, then the other two will kill you. <laughs> Understand? So when I look for my joint venture partners, I've got to make sure that, you know, they have integrity. You know what I mean? He says that if, if that person doesn't have integrity, then you hope that he's an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, like, for whatever, you know, whether it's your spouse or whether it's your, you know, business partner, I think, you know, this, this um, you know, this thing imparted by um, Buffett is very important to bear in mind. So, inspired by Chin's journey and her amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Invest Story. We'll discuss her strategy for success. My my goal was to just buy, you know, like 50 positive cash flow properties and um, extract equity from it. The personal habits which have been contributing to her success. So, basically, I have four journals. One of them, okay, is just a personal journal, right? And every time I open it up by writing, you know, like what three things that I'm grateful for. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Invest Story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.